Previously on the hard-hitting investigative journalistic podcast, Back to the Pictures. I'm not wearing hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pads. Welcome back to the pictures and back to Gotham City for part two of a surprise two-parter. Last week, we, as I say, Ian, Anton and me, Ben, dove into the analysing and reconsidering of a certain Kevlar-clad vigilante uh, hero of Gotham, the one that they deserve or the one that they need or... Who wasn't wearing hockey pants. Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's put it in there. Well, this week, The Dark Knight returns, literally. Christopher Nolan's 2008 epic, The Dark Knight, and this is part two. Um, we had just concluded the, if I remember correctly, the epic chase scene where the Joker uh, and his entourage are chasing uh, Harvey Dent's convoy all over Gotham during the lockdown. Um, before, of course, Batman intervened and has a quick showdown with the Joker. And it concluded with the surprise return of the previously believed dead lieutenant gordon who arrests the joker and saves dent and batman so after this epic chase scene right we go straight into which to me is the best scene in the film which is the interrogation great scene it is actually a great scene i can't get enough of that scene if you uh, and this is where i'm going to say it one more time right and it probably won't be the last time i say it but i'm going to say it again if you were gordon you would have broken already (laughs) he's just lied to his wife about his death and he gets two minutes of rest. And then he's brought back because he's been betrayed again. <laughs> he, he goes home for five minutes. Like, hey, great, you're commissioner now. You would just, you would just leave. You'd be like, nope, nope, fuck off. I'm done. I'm, start, I'm, starting, to think, I'm starting to think Jim Gordon is going to be the, the, the Avenger winner out of all of this. Not even Batman. <laughs> Dude, he's not even, he's not even the Avenger man. Like, he's Thanos. If I, if, I, if, I, if, if Jim Gordon snapped his fingers, I'd be like, yeah, you deserve to do that. <laughs> you deserve some peace. You deserve some absolutely. peace and quiet. Absolutely. Hang, absolutely. hang your fucking armor on that scarecrow thing and just chill. <laughs> no one will think any less of you. Yeah, it's so it's so true to Vaya. Gordon does he does he does just keep going. But I think it's testament to the kind of person that Gordon was. Gordon in all the comics, cartoons, etc., was always just that kind of person. The Joker, right? He's uh he's in that really ominous um interrogation room. I don't know why they needed to give him a lamp. I don't I don't know if you'd give him anything that he could break and slash his wrists with, but anyway, that that's what that's what uh Nolan wanted for ambiance. Mm-hmm. Um Seemingly, Batman has mastered the art of not breathing because he's in that room with him the entire time. But I guess the League of Shadows taught him not to breathe. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I let him off because of the League of Shadows. <laughs> he was literally in the shadows. He couldn't do any better. Yeah. Just more all the mirrors. It's like, I think with all those mirrors on both walls, you would see the Batman just like. <laughs> I just. Uh, you imagine I... just in the corner, just like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Good cop, bad cop routine. 
Okay, guys, we, we've all got a meeting in the the so and so room. Really? Now? It's like, yeah, just a quick one. Goes in, is like, yeah, there, there's free donuts tomorrow. Okay, guys, uh, yeah, that's all. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you see Batman like running down the hallway, just sneaking into the room. If I if I was Gordon and I jump into that and I and I walk into that room and the Joker's just there, he's like, "Good evening, Commissioner." I would have broken. I would have shot him in the head. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Well, I've had enough. I've had enough of your comedy clown. I think, I think the only reason they, did, they didn't was because they needed the information. I wasn't here. Who did you leave him with? Yeah. I, if, if I'm gone, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. You're right. I'm going yeah, abso- there Absolutely. I'm executing every single fucking one of them. <laughs> because so I can do, I'm the only one capable of doing the job anyway. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It really is. It is true. I, I did love that reaction because he was 100% correct in that. Well, I, I didn't take them. Obviously, he knows mm. where they are. They're 100%. It's still his plan. But yeah. yeah. Actually, can I can I take a step back before we we talk about the interrogation scene? They first have him in the cell, in the holding cell, uh, the Joker. Yeah. I think it's here where we get a bit more of a hint as to who this incarnation of the Joker is inspired by. You know how they say his clothes are custom, no fingerprints, no name. That is pretty much John Doe from Seven. You know, played by uh, played by Kevin Spacey. Right. Yeah. In fact, he the way that he antagonizes Officer Stevens to engage physically is exactly how John Doe taunts Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in Seven. Right, yeah. That's a good point, actually. I never thought about that. I, I actually looked that up to see if there were any inspirations behind the Joker other than the uh, that seminal work by Alan Moore, so The Killing mm. Joke. I did come across a, a YouTube video. It's a guy called uh, Tom Waits, who's like a niche musician with a cult following in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and there's this clip from a an interview he did. It looks like it's from a long time ago. And tell me if you can hear this, right? And tell me if you think. Oh, this. I think I know this. I've I've heard this. Well, let's let's see. I have a growing level of popularity uh, throughout the uh, intercontinental United States, <laughs> Japan, and uh, I travel extensively in Europe as well. Mm. Um, uh, I don't do half bad. I, uh, they tell me you have a new market now in Ireland. Is that true? Yeah. I've performed in Dublin and done very well there as well. You look uh, like a leprechaun. You should do well there. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm also big in Philadelphia. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I feel like I'm at my grandmother's. <laughs> Yeah, so it goes on for another minute or so, but yeah, what, what do you think? So, was was that a character? Were they playing someone or was that an actual person? That's, that's a real person. Tom Waits, American musician. I have seen that one. I have actually seen that before. 100%. I mean, well, like a picture was the Joker. Yeah, I, it's, in, it's, all, it's uncanny. And you know like that bit where, uh, you know, the, he, when he meets the crime bosses and he says, you know, and our gamble over here won't be able to get a nickel for his grandma. Like... <laughs> It's almost identical. Yeah. That's crazy, it is. <laughs> Funny enough, <laughs> the record label, no joke, no joke, the record label that Tom Waits was signed to was called Asylum. Shut up. <laughs> it was actually called Asylum. Can you believe that? That's there's, there's too many clues. <laughs> as if, as if, as if. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Only God knows the amount of research that his Ledger did and went into. I mean, I mean, like I said, the guy died for it. Well, Forms of his career, you know what I mean? There was rumours. I don't know how these rumours get out. Um, you know, he said that he locked himself in a... That it was said that he locked himself in a hotel room 
for two weeks uh, with very minimal food or water um, did copious amounts of mind-bending, mind-altering yeah. drugs. And then he would sit in front of a mirror and read his lines and then write in a diary. Uh, he would just write, you know, while he was in this state, uh, acting as the Joker. And then before doing every day filming, when he needed to get into character, he'd reread the diary. That's crazy. Wow. It's crazy. That's dedication. Man. Absolute dedication. You know, I previously mentioned um, idiot plots where, uh, you know, if the person wasn't an idiot, the whole film would really be over. Yeah. So there is this in, in this scene, you know, when Officer Stevens, who, by the way, is Holtz from Angel. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, do you remember Holtz? Oh, my Lord. So I'm, I'm, I'm not too familiar with Angel, but it's, I feel like I'd, it sounds familiar. Yeah, the reason why, because we forced you to watch... A couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we were at uni, you're being you're being polite. You're like fuck Angel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Angel was good. I just never. I just after after killing Buffy, I was like, ah, oh. and then and I need to go back and watch. I do. You know I I will still do it eventually one day. I I still no, stand by it. The end the ending once... of Angel for me kind of hit harder than yeah Buffy. Oh wow, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. Once she watched, I still Angel. do it once a year. Honestly, really? Sit yeah. what? Get out! Yeah. What all of Angel? Yeah, yeah, I do the whole thing once a year. Fuck you. you! You never told me. Are you serious? It. Truly love it. I watched the Holt thing about five months ago. Ian, season are three. Are you serious? I didn't. Yeah, even, why so why would you not let me in on one of these things <laughs> once? Come on, man! Sat here in my room doing nothing. <laughs> Bruv. We do it. We do it from scratch, honestly. <laughs> genuinely shed a tear on one of the episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know what's what he's talking yeah. about. He's talking about the one where Buffy and Angel yes. reconnect. <laughs> yes. Don't call me. I know you Look so me. well. <laughs> and I was in the next room, and I was trying my hardest not to make any noises. <laughs> like, he's crying in his room. <laughs> Mate, oh my Anton, god! It, for context, it's, it. a, it's an episode where Angel becomes human. Uh, yes. And then Buffy's in town, and they rekindle their romance, and they're like, "Right, we can be together now." But then Angel discovers that, uh, you know, there's an apocalypse coming and he's useless to help yeah. her. Yeah. And so he asks, like, these powers that be to turn back time. And then there's a really emotional scene at the end. Because Sarah Michelle Gellar, when she's Buffy, she's fucking incredible. Absolutely. She literally personified the character. Absolutely. I cannot believe how good her acting is. Like, and it's probably a testament to Sarah Michelle Gellar because, sorry, sidebar. Um <laughs> pretty, much, pretty, pretty much, yeah. Take, Absolutely. Take, take, a, take a walk with me on this one. Right? <laughs> um, th- th- this um, is, a, is a testament to Sarah Michelle Gellar that she often said in interviews that she cared about the Angel and Buffy relationship. She thought that, w- that Buffy and Angel were soulmates. And so when she filmed these scenes, she genuinely was upset that they weren't being together. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I, I think I know. I I'm pretty sure I've seen because you guys have played that uh, for me before and kind of explained that and told me about that particular episode and everything. And it was just like, yeah. And she yeah. was like, I felt your heartbeat. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. But when we made you watch it, we made you watch the Holtz bit because this guy the guy who plays officer stevens is holtz and holtz is fucking incredible i, I cried twice in that show not once i just remembered i never that's it in the season one uh, is that it are we done 
Oh, oh yeah. Got me. Yeah, Doyle. Oh, I don't yeah. think I cried, but I think I squirmed in my chair and was blinking a lot. <laughs> As <laughs> if you watch it. I, I can't believe you watch that once a year. I, love, I can't do Buffy. But That's I, madness. I have, I have done Buffy once all the way through. but, but I, you, I thought I you only watched either show for Spike. Um. Yeah, and then I watched all of Buffy, and then I was like, meh, okay. Because I've been trying to tell you for years that Angel. I, I I got to the point where in in Buffy where it crossed over to Angel that I actually went and picked out the episodes and watched the episodes of Angel while watching Buffy, wow. so I could get the whole thing. Jesus, the dedication then, as if. Then, then I tried reading the comics. I was like, yeah, now I'm done. <laughs> These wow. don't exist. As if you want to. Oh, that's ridiculous. And next time you do that shit, you need to start with me. Yeah, oh, yeah, I give you a shout for it's, sure. It holds up. I'm telling you, it holds up. Um, right, we really must get back to. <laughs> it's it, you know, it's vampires, it's bats. Is it not somehow? Uh, it's, it's 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 still related. It's still related. Absolutely. It's tenuous. Okay, I, I hear you. Um, I, I, the idiot plot, right? Officer Stevens stays in the room with the Joker. Mm-hmm. The Joker cannot get out of that room. Why does Stevens need to be in there? Because there's a lamp they can't remove, and he might. <laughs> <laughs> they realise there's a lamp in there, and he's like, "Oh shit, that's like, glass." There is absolutely no reason why anyone needs to be in a foolproof, soundproof, you know, locked room with the Joker, the most dangerous man in Gotham. It was the so- thing is, it seems more dangerous to leave him un- like alone. There's nothing in that in room. There. Yeah, but if you think either way, I, I think it's Catch-22. It's like we either leave him completely unguarded in a room by himself or we put someone we trust in there with someone who's that deadly and it's like, it was, a win either way. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I th- in a weird way, I get it. But in some way, I kind of also, it's like if he tried to escape, everyone was watching the room. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm. why did he have to actually be in the room? But Because the plot asked for it demand demanded it absolutely yeah, that's it that's the only reason so it's an idiot plot um and the guy you know we've we spoke about this in part one but it's worth going back again this guy's got some kind of contusion <laughs> <laughs> it, that made like you could literally see the clock in his stomach like damn near hands ticking from side to side it's like what did you need <laughs> it's, it was it was so obvious you must be able to tell the difference between a contusion and surgical scu- and surgical fucking surgical inc- incisions. You can almost you can almost side with the joke a little bit. It's like, yeah, this is the level of ignorance that Gotham has, and that's why I need to take it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So you know, Joker blow blows up everyone. Um, is the only one that manages to to come out unscathed. I love how he goes and gets Lau because he said, "I know the squealers when I see them." Oh, and he and he brilliant. did. Oh, um, yeah. Brilliant. And there's a question that I, I've had. I don't know if it's if it's just me, but um, is the Joker driving that police car from the back seat, or is someone driving yep. him? I presumed he, it was him. I think that's just the chaos. I I thought that was great. Was he in the back seat? Was he? Yeah. The front. You can was see he... the front window. Yeah. And then he sat. His head's out the back window. Yeah, but like I thought, was are you sure wasn't he getting driven? I, th- I, th- I mean, because there was other people in there were other people in that jail as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. He had other men. Some, yes, he had other people yeah. in there, so it wouldn't surprise me that he got driven. How is his arm reaching the steering wheel? Don't he's mean, like, like pulling himself out <laughs> the window. <laughs> All I'm saying is, 
it was logistically, it would be incredibly tough. But that's the Joker for you. <laughs> Absolutely. There is a small but very vocal portion of the internet who argue that the Joker, Heath Ledger's incarnation of the Joker, is very attractive. Now, I'm sure the majority of people that do feel this way are wildly in need of therapy. Uh, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> but, but something has to be said for the fact that the Joker is the only guy in this film that even remotely omits sexuality or raw sexuality. He's dangerous. He's funny. His movements are unpredictable. He's a bad boy. He's a troublemaker. He's an outlaw. He's a cheeky chap, you know? He custom makes his own clothes, so he's got that hippie vibe going for him. You know, he, he's ahead of the curb when it comes to... He speaks confidently about social, political concerns. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love how we're making him out like he's... <laughs> He's just your regular, he's your regular, he just, he just understands he's woke. That's what it is. He's woke. He's also got like that barroom brawl fighting style. Um, great catchphrases. He's got, he's great at telling a good story. Do you know how I got these scars? You know, uh, out of anyone in the movie, he looks like the only, I'm just going to say it. He looks like the only one that probably knows how to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He looks like someone who could be well endowed, like a dark horse. Just based, on, <laughs> just based on his movements alone. Like Bruce, he's a playboy billionaire, but he's so fucking stiff. He's overcompensating. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the Batmobile. Right, right. You know, he's, his movements are stiff. He mopes, he broods, he's obsessed with winged rodents. Uh, you know, and you've got Harvey, who looks like a missionary-only sort of fellow. Let's be Absolutely. Honest. Probably falls asleep right after Climax. <laughs> uh, and Gordon, I'm sorry, he looks like he's on the verge of a heart attack. Not exactly virile. So I'm, I'm inclined to agree. You know, the Joker is the only sexual person. I mean, done. let's face it, he, he gives off all the vibes, all the, all the quote-unquote typical vibes of an alpha. He is damn near fearless, intelligent, um, speaks ridiculously well let's yeah. not let's not let's not forget that nothing he says is unintentional he very much displays a lot of the standard alpha traits he just it, it, it's kind of like if jack sparrow shot himself with as many heroin needles as you could find yeah ian what do you think i can see why loads of people would i, I would agree with most people they say they find him attractive it's just the power the control the way he carries himself other than the fact that he's a psychotic killer, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the way that like I I would probably um, if you look at like Harley Quinzel, mm. as you know the mirror of him, it's like yeah she's attractive. Would she murder me? Probably right away. It's so counterintuitive to think, but Batman is not the tragic hero of this of his own film. It's Harvey. Absolutely, absolutely. You know about the fall of, of the Harvey fall Dent. of Harvey Dent. Absolutely, absolutely. It, when the gasoline hits harvey's face i mean that is a moment you know that is that's his tragic fall from grace you you know and that's what is amazing about comic books and superhero media they can translate over and over again and and reinvent over and over again and you get a film like this where everyone knows what becomes of harvey dent the man and then when the gasoline creeps towards the right side of his face it's fucking chilling yeah yeah mm. But that was the whole point. That was the whole point of the film. It wasn't very much. It was. It was actually a war between. It was a war for Harvey Dent between Batman and Joker. Mm. 
every hero's got a fatal flaw, and his fatal flaw is his belief in the system. He thinks he can make the world a better place, which is why he's so excited about that 18 months of clean streets that Ian and you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, the entire plot really revolves around this tragic hero complex of Harvey, right? I think um, Aristotle's idea that uh, a hero could have good intentions and virtue, but external forces and a fatal flaw bring them down. I mean, you, that is the, the story of Harvey Dent to a T. I tell, tell you what the good thing is. In a weird way, he almost becomes the extreme version of that once he becomes Two-Face in that belief of a system. Because he does still have a system, and he believes in it so much more now because of what's happened to him, where there is the coin has, has finally been scarred. It's, it now has a tails to an extent. Do you know what I mean? And he believes so much in that system where it's like, I will leave it to fate. It, does, right. it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like, I will leave it to fate. And whatever fate decides is what I'm actually going to. That is the system, and we are going to stick to it. So like he said, he, he, he's, sitting with, he's sitting with Moroni, flips the, flips the coin, you survive. Flips the coin, but your driver doesn't. <laughs> and to the point where he's willing to damn near kill himself for this system. I find it intriguing that Nolan is, he's not interested in highlighting Batman's good intentions. He's more engrossed in exposing Batman's selfishness, right? Yeah, yeah. Batman wants his own life. He's even uh, deluded himself that this girl is waiting for him to hang up his cape, right? This is a vigilante who swore on his parents' graves that he would avenge them in, in perpetuity, right? But he's doing all he can to get out of the crime-fighting game in this movie. Nolan is basically focusing on how Batman affects those around him, and he fucks everyone up. Dent, Rachel, Fox, Gordon, even Alfred. You know, and Alfred's like, I suppose they'll arrest me as your accomplice. That's right, Bruce. You're fucking over your most loyal servant by, you know, by turning yourself in, and your joke is, well, accomplice, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them, use your idea. I'm so <laughs> quite, quite literally. <laughs> you know when Gordon says, uh, the Joker wanted to get caught. He wanted me to lock him up in the MCU. Do you think it was a subtle hint that they wanted to cross over with Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the funny thing is, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually really glad you said that because they kept saying MCU, and I was just like, yep. "What does that even stand? I don't understand what it stands for. It, it, it can't stand for anything other than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <laughs> take okay. that, take the bat light down from the MCU, absolutely, because that's DC." Okay, <laughs> this is the DCU. <laughs> but seriously, what could it be? I generally don't. I generally don't. What? Major, Major crimes, crimes unit. unit. Right. Oh, now I feel stupid. I'm still going. With, I'm still going. Oh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I think. <laughs> I think they will update it at some point and move Absolutely. MCU out of every line because you are advertising. You're like, I feel like watching Thor after. after <laughs> I just got this sudden <laughs> urge to just to just urge. see Iron Man to do his thing. Like, what? What's going on? Sorry to rewind a little bit. You know Rachel? Oh, that bitch. Yeah. Her last words, did it kill any of you that you don't get to know what she was going to say? <laughs> Harvey, some... The only word she says is some. You're... No? Was it... Is, um, that, actually, uh, is that actually her? <laughs> um, <laughs> boom! <laughs> Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Some... Oh. Boom! 
no. Yeah. <laughs> I think I may have just ruined this film. Oh, you actually. <laughs> you realize <laughs> now, right? Now. <laughs> you, absolutely now. Somebody wants to be the world. Literally every time now. <laughs> oh, you've destroyed that scene. You've literally just destroyed that scene for me. Well, yeah. It's, you know, in in terms of storytelling, you can't really get more uh, quintessential than than where we are right now in the story of the film. The lowest point of any script needs to be the end of the second act. Everything the characters thought they knew or had learned is tested, and they fail miserably. Yeah. Right. And then there is a tiny bit of wallowing, which some say is bad for movies, but I still think, you know, the gravitas of the situation is what it is. So now it's time to regroup and refocus. Um, and that leads us into the next section. Wayne Enterprises accountant, who I've not mentioned up until now, by the way, Coleman Reese. Reese. Reese's <laughs> Pieces. Um, deduces Batman's secret identity and he attempts to disclose it publicly. But the Joker threatens to blow up a hospital unless Reese is killed. Um, while the police evacuate hospitals and Gordon struggles to keep Reese alive, Joker meets with a disillusioned Dent, convinces him to take justice into his own hands and avenge Rachel's death. Excuse me. And avenge Rachel's death. Uh, Dent defers his decision, making to his half-scarred, two-headed coin, killing the corrupt officers and mafia men who contributed to Rachel's death. As panic grips the city, the Joker reveals that two evacuation ferries, one carrying civilians and the other prisoners, are rigged to explode at midnight unless one group sacrifices the other. To the Joker's disbelief, the passengers refuse to kill one another and Batman subdues but refuses to kill the Joker. And before the police arrest the Joker, he gloats that although Batman proved incorruptible, his plan to corrupt Dent has succeeded. I fucking love Wikipedia. <laughs> it, it is it is it is the shit it is literally the shit they sum up these films like i would be prattling on for hours it, it, it literally is the shit it's unbelievable how like it's it's funny how wikipedia has become literally the 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 un, unspoken encyclopedia encyclopedia of the world remember you really used to you used to quote them in <laughs> For uni stuff, and they're like, you can't quote Wikipedia. Yeah, and right. and then you go out to Wikipedia. Now they have references everywhere. And yeah. Wikipedia will not accept the Daily Mail as a reference resource. Boom. Uh, that's. I'm sorry for all you Daily Mail readers out there, but that says a lot. I'm, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm not using Wikipedia anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Harvey is now fully embracing his dark side, right? He's in the hospital, and i got to be honest, already I'm questioning. This man is the last bastion of hope of Gotham, and he's just survived an assassination attempt. And you put two officers on the door. <laughs> Twice as many as they put in <laughs> It's so true, though. Oh, my God. It's so true. It's <laughs> twice oh, as many as their friend the Joker said. <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. You know, just going back, we, we find that the Joker had no in, no intentions, apparently, except because he burns the money, right? Yeah. Um, in that bit, do you notice he gives a bit of an Italian gangster swag to his accent where he goes, why don't we feed you to your pooches, huh? You know, a bit of a wise guy in that scene. Mm. I thought he was mimicking the, the guy's voice. 
Well, not the Chechen. I think I think I'm, I'm guessing he was just mock, mocking the whole mobster that called Hanukkah the whole mobster thing because he tells him that your guys work for me now. Do yeah. you know what I mean? He's like, but why don't we feed you to your pooches? You know, like yeah. that. And I'm like, at this point, I'm pretty sure Nolan and the rest of the cast and crew were just like, let the man do do what do he wants. what he uh, let him let him he is the Joker yeah. absolutely. However many takes he wants, let's just do it. This is gold. <sighs> Everything he's doing is gold. Oh, it's crazy. Absolutely uh, crazy. Because he, uh, he does. He does whatever the fuck he wants in every scene. Oh, it's brilliant. Nolan, Nolan's good, but he's not that good. You can't coax that performance out of someone. Absolutely not. I told you about that. I think I can't remember if I mentioned the first, the, the, the first podcast um, where I mentioned the whole, the, that interaction between Heath Ledger uh, and uh, Aaron Eckhart when that scene where he obviously kind of raises his hands to him. That wasn't meant to be in it. Like, that was Heath Ledger literally walking around for five minutes talking to himself. And then he just comes at Aaron Eckhart who, like, lifts his hands up. So then he, like, responds to it and takes his hand. And it's like, that's acting. And it's like, what? Jesus Christ. Heath Ledger was so, like, far beyond the rest of the cast by this point. He literally was living the film, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Unbelievable. And he paid for it. Oh, um, Absolutely. So this is this is a point, guys, where I have to I have to say. It, I mean, this film is absolutely phenomenal, but at this point, it, it, it's stretching my um, ability to uh, let the little things go. Mm. So Gordon is now a public official, but still acting like a beat cop. I can I can deal with that. Suddenly, the Joker announces this bomb threat. The Joker says he's going to blow up a hospital. He's, I, unless he's got the power of precognition, which he might do. How does he manage to get a bomb onto every, every floor yeah. of the hospital without anyone noticing in such a short space of time? But yeah, I'm still with you on that. It, it, it's it's definitely one of those the anti-bullet card, if you will, because it definitely was. I, well, I remember when it was like we're going to blow up uh, a hospital, and I was like, what? When did you? so again? Joker must have had a plan and it was incredibly elaborate and incredibly forethought because yeah you know just because I, I have I, the, the third act everything's getting ramped up and I appreciate that but I can't help ignore some of the larger and larger gaps of, of logic right and one of them is um, as soon as okay this this is just a pet peeve because we're going back to Gordon as soon as a bomb threat is called and every hospital in Gotham is a target what is the first thing you do Pull the most important fucking guy in the city out of the damn hospital. Yeah. How is the most important man in Gotham left while the building is being evacuated? Yeah. Is yeah. Gordon running the entire fucking police force himself? Does he have no captains, no lieutenants, no other senior staff? Someone make a fucking decision and get Harvey Dent to safety. Well, wasn't think about it. The two cops that were in the, the room, didn't they just literally look at them like... Fuck this! <laughs> they, they just left. They just left, didn't they? I, I'd be fine with that. But he, li- they, they, they go to the trouble of giving him a piece of dialogue. He says the priority is Gotham General. So why is not a priority? There's two cops there. <laughs> I think as well the um, it'd be hard to move Harvey because last time I think they put him in a car with people. He got kidnapped and then blown up. Um, so it's probably like so right, every time they him, every time they move him, they lose him. Yeah. 
So like, let's not rush this one. Let's keep him where we know he is. And, he's, yeah. he's like a da- he's like a damn suck in the laundry. In laundry, you always you always lose one. <laughs> it's pro- it's pretty clear that that um, Dent is the priority. However, G- Gordon decides trying to keep Reese alive takes priority over over Dent. I'm not sure why. Right, um, that's what's happening. So I'm not sure why when a police convoy is transporting someone who's in protective custody trying to get him into a lockdown why do they stop at a red light because rules matter <laughs> i mean they, they already got a ticket earlier in the day for mountain and the curb once you know? <laughs> three points. let's just keep let's just keep going it's, it's, that's that's the that's the that's the that's rule in america right three strikes sorry. <laughs> maybe maybe they're up to a second they were just like whoa no We've read about it two curves now. We are not doing a third. <laughs> the, I'm sorry. The only excuse I'd accept is if they were distracted by Bruce's Lamborghini as an Aventador, I think. Aventador. That would make sense. It's a fucking thing of beauty. So, the Joker makes good on... I'm trying to get this in my head. The, the Joker makes good on his promise and blows up the hospital, right? Uh, and that's not before he releases a deranged dent out into the world, all right? Um, there's a, there's a missing there's a missing bus of passengers. They presume Dent was on that bus, right? The talk show host, who was just on stage with Reese, he is now not in the studio. He's at the hospital, yeah. co- covering the bomb scare, and somehow is on the bus that the Joker uh, yeah. takes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. This is where I'm going to throw out not just a bollocks card, but this is this is a Wilfred Award. <laughs> Wilfred Award. <laughs> I'm sorry, there is no concept of time in this part of the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd, brilliant! I'd, I'd, yeah, it, it hurts me to say, but I actually do agree that there's this part of the film where I do think. Time, I'm unsure of the like how much time has passed. You know, it skips a lot, but it, I think it needs to. I like the pace of this film, but I think it was one of those things where, like, it was okay, cool. We now need to let's start wrapping up those loose ends. Wrap it yeah. up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up. So they just yeah. did not care. <laughs> well, you make a good point. That is what they call a third act problem. Absolutely. Right after this this scene, we learn what Bruce was quote-unquote, playing close to his chest, right? We get this sonar thing, uh, and we get uh, to understand um, Alfred's wise words uh, and metaphors, because, you know, he said um, you had to burn the forest down, which means, you know, you've got to fight fire with fire. You've got to do, um, you know, you've got to do something bad if you want to capture someone bad. Um, But, you know, to summarise Batman's list of bad deeds, right... He's violated international law by invading a foreign country and kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's absolved himself of the responsibility of spawning copycat vigilantes across Gotham. He violently <laughs> who, who, who died? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he violently interrogates someone in a police custody. He turns a blind eye to torture and coercion. But the biggest thing he does is break every single security and surveillance law <laughs> to create a sonar device that turns every cell phone in Gotham into a microphone. Boom. So this is as flawed a Batman as we've ever seen. 
and I'm gonna say it's fucking perfect. Absolutely, yeah. it's the it's the hero Gotham deserved. Yeah, you can't argue with it. You can't argue with it. It, it, I, I wonder how many people who owned phone companies like EE, Google, that <laughs> went in after seeing this film and was like, can we actually do this? Like, this is incredible. <laughs> oh my God, is this, this is actually real. So I was like, so was like write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they went into work. because, like, yeah, that film was great. By the way, um, sonar in phones. <laughs> good, good way. This is what's so good about Batman and what they were able to unleash with this film, right? The ethical boundaries that were crossed. Yes, could he have stopped the Joker, a terrorist, without it? No, absolutely not. And this is before. This is five years before Ed Snowden. He would echo Fox's uh, sentiments that this is too much power for yeah. someone to have, and he blew the whistle on the U.S. government. Yeah. Who, who were to partaking in espionage on their own citizens. Like, how intelligent and culturally significant and socially or political important this film is. It's so good. Yeah, it really, it's, it's, there's so many, there's so many tones to it that you, especially now, kind of going back and breaking it down, it's like, and again, the relevance of it now as well. Yeah. Still, it's, Yeah. I mean, Batman, yeah. Batman represents that idea that all human rights can be removed in an emergency and handed back after it's been dealt with, right? Hence the Caesar analogy earlier in the movie. I mean, this is the Patriot Act. This is... It's so smart. Everything in this movie is so on point. And, and, and this is the sort of reason why people side with, the, you know, the US government over Snowden. You know, to stop these bad people from doing bad things, sometimes you've got to take take you know liberties with liberties yeah and so much so where again he ended up even then giving that back he was like type your name as in like he knows lucius is is one of the most honorable men in there so your name is the the code breaker if you will mm. it's it's yeah so it's it's really relevant really relevant ian yeah no, i disagree um with exactly what's been said i, I think the like you said, uh, saying Lucius having his name said is the reason that brings it all back around. I think was was big. Um, you know, I think without Lucius, you wouldn't really have this Batman. It would be. I think it goes a lot to be said for the people. For the you can see the va- the pe- the the value that Batman has in people in general because obviously he believes that Gotham inherently has a greater good and he can do something to bring that out inspire that whilst fighting the badness of it but very much also in the trust that he has in certain key individuals like alfred Mm. rachel lucius do you mean he very much is he's almost he's almost in a way like it's just just that that absolute belief that inherently people are people are good and sometimes we'll cross the lines to do good Mm. do you mean it's it's yeah i I like that he, he's willing to break almost all boundaries. I think this Batman would always do what other people can't, and that's the rule they stuck with him. Where he's like, "I need this. It needs to be done." And you know, he doesn't kill people, but ultimately it pays off because they end up saving loads of people. They save SWAT members and they save the innocent people. Absolutely, I'll so. take it on. I'll take it on myself. Do you know what I mean? It's very much I'll take it on myself. And that theme, funny enough, actually, now that you think of now that I think about it even more, very much kind of runs through the entire way Batman operates, where he's like, okay, cool. 
if if it means taking on the shit, then I'll take on the shit. So the at the very end when they realize the hostages the hostages aren't the people who um the hostages are actually the people with the guns and they've actually just been boarded up. So he's like, Cool, alright, well I'm fighting the police now. He spent the entire time fighting with the police and I was like, Yo, cool. I need to save people, I'm fighting the police now. I'll do what needs to be done. I'll take on I'll take it on. And that very much ultimately how is how the film ends. I will take on what needs to be done. We will keep Harvey's Oh, sorry, sorry to kind of jump the gun, but we will keep Harvey's image safe, and I'll take on what needs to be done. That's, that's the hero that 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 Gotham needs. There's nothing that you said that I disagree with, but I'm sorry, I'm going to throw another bollocks card out. I, once again, the Joker has an inexplicable plan. Wait for Batman to somehow trace his location, and then only then enact the plan of getting SWAT to kill the hostages, and then get word to the boats. How does he know that Batman came up with this fucking machine? Was his plan to get Batman there? Yeah. I thought at that point it seemed like a surprise when Batman showed up. Oh my up. god, it's 100% he was there to get Batman. That was his endgame. Maybe. Because I mean, nah, it didn't I really work out. I don't, I don't think, point. nah, I don't think, I don't think, nah, I don't think it was. Think for one fucking second. I thought that was the trick that, that was him he burning said, down the forest he to said, catch he, him. He where said, it's like, well, no, how did you catch me? He said in the know? end, uh, sorry, he said at the end of the fight, he goes, you don't think that I was going to. Uh, risk Gotham's soul in a fist fight with you. I had an ace in the hole. He was totally expecting Batman to show up. Do you think it was the best thing to evacuate the city? I, th I think they didn't have a, a book to follow a code for this, so they were just like. Right, <laughs> I think it was. What, I think it was. What, but the funny thing out. was, didn't they? Didn't, didn't they? I can't remember. Didn't they mention something about the bridges? Is like he, the, the, the Joker. Didn't the Joker say something about the fact that how I, there's bombs the, on the bridges? Yeah, there was so, bombs on the bridges or something like that. So it was like. God, he's got a lot of bombs. That's why. That's, <laughs> that's why they. Uh, that's why they wanted to use the boats. I mean, what would you do if you were on the boat, criminals and the actual upper class who were able to book a, their the first ticket off the? Everyone gets to make a vote whether or not they want to blow up the other boat, and despite everyone not wanting to pull the trigger and kill the other boat, they was all quite willing to vote for the other boat to be blown up. I think it was like nearly two thirds of the people voted for the other boat to be destroyed. I was like, that, that was a little bit concerning. That was the only thing that hit me now that I don't think I, I would have thought about when we was at uni watching this. Was uh, yeah. I think like again, like I said, the funny thing was the whole. It was there was a joker trying to show that this whole system and everything you do, it's all it's all for nothing. I, I'm I'm I. He basically is the anti-system, <laughs> as 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 he put it, and it was. I mean, again, like I said, it's funny because the, in reality, what, what do you reckon would happen? That one of them boats is blowing. One of them boats is going. <laughs> let's, let's face it. Um, well, first of all, I thought it was stupid to evacuate the city. I, I, I don't think, you know, when he, Batman says it's never what it seems with the Joker, I reckon whoever ended up pushing that button, their own boat would have blown up. Wouldn't, wouldn't have surprised me. That would have been, oh, brilliant. Wow. That, that would have been brilliant. Yeah. That would have been yeah. brilliant. Because that's what the Joker is like. You know, he says, that I'll let the other person go. The best yeah. thing is it would have put the blame on the other boat as well. Yeah. So the people that didn't do it would oh, have been blamed for doing it. Jesus, the, the that's chaos of the Joker. such a good idea. Oh, that, would have been, that would have been a great twist. What, oh. would, what would you have voted for? I'd, I... If you were on the boat of the citizens, vote. not the criminals. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's, that's a hard one. Funny enough, this, this came up in... Um, been watching Orange just a new black again recently and it came up with this thing about uh, train tracks where there's a train on a track and it's going to run over five people and kill them 
you have the option to pull a lever and make the chain, train go onto a different path and it will kill one person. So you're going to save four people. However, you pulling that lever will mean that you've chosen to kill that person. So it's actively your fault that that person died. But you are saving four people. And it's like the conundrum of what would you do? Um, for me, it was very easy and I'd pull the lever. But... <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't think I, I could harm other people. I don't think that's... Even if you knew that everyone in the other boat are either rapists or murderers... Then again, and you'll probably, you'll probably kind of go a little bit deep into it, but I didn't, I didn't understand the justification for moving the... They said, oh, if any of these people are involved in... Uh, Gordon said something about if any of these people are involved in the, in the jokes hmm. about them, we need to remove them. I was like, wait, what? These are people that Dent put away. Uh, and he just had a hunch that the Joker would somehow involve them, even though that they were safely locked up in. That, that's what I mean. I don't understand. I, I didn't understand the justification for that. One of the things that terrified me in rewatching this is how many people voted they would. They're happy for it to happen, as long as it's not them pulling the trigger. So. Them criminals were going, son. I don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> them criminals were going. I'm like, yo. <laughs> We do not mess around here. You can now make the boom. Oh, oh sorry. Were yeah. we meant to wait? <laughs> no. So Them criminals were done, son. I don't care. You're fucking done, son. I'm fucking done, son. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the criminal who, who makes that ultimate... Um, well, sorry, the, the convict who makes the ultimate sacrifice, that's uh, Tommy uh, Tiny Lister. Yep. Who's been in almost every B movie that you've never seen. Absolutely. Um, I only know him from No Holds Barred because it's the Hulk Hogan star vehicle that that uh, went off a cliff uh, ablaze in pieces. For me, for me, for me, one of the biggest things he was in is, um, but one of the things I remember him in <laughs> is in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when Will goes back to Philly for a bit and they talk about going to MacArthur Park to go sell some Gucci, some Gucci bags, some fake Gucci bags. And then obviously Vivian comes in and like you know because Carlton has turned all hood because mm. uh, he was meant to, <laughs> he's turned and he's turned into C note <laughs> and he's in there and literally at one point Vivian just goes back to hood Vivian and literally just goes in and just rips Carlton out of there rips Will out of there and she's like she says something about none of you are going to MacArthur Park and he gets up obviously all like damn near six foot eleven of him or however tall he is and gets up and he's like Wah! she's like boy don't test me yes ma'am he sits the fuck back down it's so it's such a good scene but that's where i remember him from the most anytime i see him i just remember that scene <laughs> that's brilliant he's dead now sadly died a few yeah. years ago uh, anton you touched on on this earlier right the the fighting style of batman because I'm just thinking of, of you know when he gets to the top of the uh, building where the Joker is, which is like a boss fight, isn't it? You know, you get yeah. to go level to level until you get Pretty to the top much. level. Uh, it's so brutalist. I mean, people mistake it for KM, but it's not. It's it's Keezy, isn't it? Yeah. So it's Keezy. So funny enough, it was actually created by the stuntman of uh, in the uh, from the original. Yes. Batman Begins. Yes. Yes. So they basically took elements, obviously, of Krav Maga and uh, kind of stunt fighting, and were just they were just focusing on the efficiency that Batman would do. So. Nolan again when he shot the first one was the, and I, I remember this I'm watching this and being like feeling the exact same way when you watch Batman fight in the first one it, it's confusing it's really confusing and the whole point of that was for two reasons one um, the suit was um, Bale himself had to get quite bulky to kind of fill out the suit um, so they need to kind of have minimal movements 
Um, but two, Nolan wanted it shot so that it felt like if you were fighting Batman, the confusion you'd feel from from fighting him is the confusion you'd get. We got from watching him, and it worked because I was confused as hell, for, for, especially that very first scene with the um, with the crates. You know when um, the cop that is that was actually working with Gordon swear to me. And he, you know, he's, he's actually on the crates. And then literally, it's like, fight, 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 fight. All of a sudden, then Batman stood there. And it's just like, that's exactly how it would happen. That's what it would have felt like. Yeah. Whereas, because Bell one, got better. Two, they changed the suit and could move more mobility. They then focused more on the actual fighting style itself. So, you saw Bell move a lot more. A lot of his scenes were kind of further back. You saw it from the beginning to the end. The, the, not to kind of go too far back, but the scene when he goes to China and basically, like I said, breaks all the international laws yeah. and, and, and the window and you see that movement across as he's taking out the guards is yeah. brilliant. It's perfect. Yeah. You could see yeah. barely smaller but faster and can move better and it's, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I was, it's intrigued me because I thought at the time it was KM but I didn't recognise some of those more uh, elbow-based strikes. Yeah, exactly. Because it's actually he, a lot more useful for shorter people like me. So I'd, yeah, actually, absolutely. I'd actually really like to study it, to be honest. He, you notice a lot of it is very much, he actually, despite the cow, the, the reason he uses the elbows so much is he protects his head. So he's consistently protecting his head yeah. when he's fighting to the point where it's harder. Obviously, he, he realizes his elbows are a lot harder than his fists. But by using his elbows, he can still protect his head when he's doing a lot of things as well. It's, it's ridiculously, it's, it's ruthlessly efficient. Yeah. I wonder if they designed it to, for someone wearing body armor. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that's almost good, like good your yeah. arms, your chest, everything. It's just like uh, almost like equalizer. You know, where it's like here's the, the the positions you have where you're most likely, like less likely to be hit while shooting. Yeah, yeah. This style could very much be like you're always keeping your armor flat against yeah. where you're likely to be shot from, or like yeah. you say, covering your your face. I mean, it looks great. That's all I can say. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Speaking of things that look great. Harvey Dent is completely two-faced, and it looks fantastic. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, again, CGI completely, because they had to. They didn't want to put any prosthetics on Aaron Eckhart, because they felt they felt like it would, if they did, it would, it wouldn't match his original face, because it would be, it would, it would be adding to it, that makes sense. It would obviously be on top of the normal face, so there wouldn't be that evenness. Right, so, so it's all CGI. Completely CGI. But you know what I'm like with continuity, right? And there's a scene... And it genuinely, genuinely for me, it makes it hard to watch Two-Face from this scene forward. You know I'm like a continuity, right? Yeah. The scene where he goes to the police, he goes to the bar and he speaks to the police uh, lieutenant, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ramirez. Rem- and it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't Ramirez, no, it was the, the other Watts. guy. Watts, Watts yeah. yeah. He takes a drink, right? I don't know if you guys will notice this. I noticed this, is, this the yeah. very first time I watched this film and it's always made it hard to watch Two-Face after. He takes a drink and the drink spills. Because obviously, now again, remember the fact that he's had no skin grafts. He's feeling the pain. He wants to feel all this. No painkillers. No painkillers, nothing. He takes the drink and it spills, obviously out of the left side of his face where his his Two-Face. He wipes it, the spill. Because the skin is so loose and dead, where he wipes it, it wipes the entire skin off to the point where you see his skull. Yeah. That part stays through the entire rest of the film where he's wiped it with his skull. It freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> like, wow. I genuinely cannot yeah. watch Two-Face for the rest of it because it's just 
I just remembered when he wiped off his skin. Wow. And it's the, yeah. there. And it's there the entire rest of the film. You know what I'm like in continuity. I sat there and I looked. I spent one entire film just watching that thing. And after I realized it was there, I then spent another film not being able to, to watch it. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely, disgustingly yeah. perfect. So you, you know, we both found that scene horrific, but for entirely different reasons. <laughs> Mine was, that was a, the only thing I could think of was that's a fucking waste of good whiskey. Because <laughs> most of it comes out the side of what used to be his mouth. You're, come on, mate. You're meant to trust your nose. Really shove it in there. <laughs> and sit. That shit, <sighs> that shit is meant to linger on the palate. <laughs> that pretty much takes us into the final uh, epilogue of the film. And, I, and I, I do think it's a bit tacked on, but you can sum it up in a couple of sentences. Dent takes Gordon's family hostage, blaming... Gordon's negligence for Rachel's death. He flips his coin to decide uh, Gordon's family's fates, but fails, but falls to his death. Sorry, after Batman tackles him to save Gordon's son, uh, believing Dent is the hero the city needs, Batman takes the blame for his death and actions and convinces Gordon to conceal the truth. In the aftermath, Pennyworth, it's, it's, it doesn't even say Alfred; it says Pennyworth, burns an undelivered message to Wayne from Rachel, confessing that she chose Dent. And Batman destroys the invasive surveillance network that helped him find the Joker. Dent is mourned by the city as a hero while the police launch a manhunt for Batman. End movie. What did you think of that ending? That was... I remember watching that at the time and thinking... This so isn't what I expected. <laughs> okay, go on. Yeah. It like... Because I think it was just... It just did away with such the classic superhero trope of everything's going to be fine and everything gets sorted and everything was done. And, you, and it's funny because you watch certain movies knowing that that's going to be the end, but it's about the journey, right? Mm. Whereas The Dark Knight was right, cool. This is life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it was so like, what? To the point where I was almost a little bit confused the first time. I was like, wait, wait, what's going on? Far be it from me to try and tell Christopher Nolan how to make a movie. <laughs> but, but, but was this, this ending a bit tagged on? Should it, should it have been saved for a sequel? I, I, think it, I think the journey was great. And I think this last part summed up the film really well. It, I don't think there should really? be another film. Because yeah. I think, because <laughs> I'm sorry, but for me, the Batman's final repose, right? the last thing he leaves us with he asks gordon to commit perjury <laughs> so at this point yeah. when he says it's for the greater good he's asking that the people of gotham live in a fantasy under false pretenses it's he's become a fascist <laughs> <laughs> i think it's more the fact that at the end of the day the greater good for gotham was because it wasn't like he was under oath it was purely purely just a, a press conference and it isn't like it's the first time he's had to lie um in terms of when you're Wait, I mean, the guy. I mean, the guy faked his. The guy faked his own death and didn't, and told his wife that he died. I don't Gordon, think he gives a fuck Gordon, about what he's going to say to anyone else. <laughs> Gordon would have had to have um, have written a sworn testimony for when, when they go on the hunt for Batman. Yeah, for a been, statement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm absolutely just saying, statement. like you know, he even to the very, very end, Batman's like, "Yo, commit a crime." For me, for I, me. I will say it's all about the amount of criminals going to prison and keeping them in prison. Like Harvey I did know. such a good job. I know. It's Absolutely. Like... It's all about the greater good at the end of the day, which is the whole theme of the entire film. 
but a lot of people don't believe that a person should be outside of the law. Yeah, but the, I mean, the the consequence of it is like, right, we just let Gotham be Gotham. We, yeah, I agree. I, it's the same, you know, like when uh, a you know Batman couldn't have found the Joker, the terrorist, without the use of invasive uh, espionage. Hans Zimmer's score, yeah, is up there. Yeah. I mean, he brings it. It's yeah. palpable. The yeah. music is almost causing the characters to palpitate. You know when when Gordon's like, "I have to save Dent," or "We have to save Dent." Like the music is like telling you everything you need to know about how much this means. Yeah, you know the music tells its own story. It's militaristic, but it's also um, a race against time. It's um, it, it's got a hero superhero element to it but then it's also very it's militaristic it's also very guerrilla yeah it definitely def like it, it it very much kind of reflected i mean and i know this is gonna sound stupid so i say it reflected the movie because obviously that's the whole point of the music but it very much did like it was you could almost you could almost probably take out the 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 the, the, the motion picture listen to music and probably tell say what was actually happening mm. in that scene as in like or at least the 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 emotion trying to be conveyed within that scene Hundred percent. I think they did uh, such a great job of it. It was, in, and, and I'm, you know, full credit to Hans Zimmer. It's almost like it, it fitted the scene so well. To me, it didn't stand out at all. If you know what I mean, like it, yeah, it, I get it what I get. Feel I, what I, I'm I know what you mean. Supposed to be feeling. Uh, yeah, I get exactly it, what you mean. It, it emotionally, you know, kept me in check with uh, what was going on per scene. You know, when I watched, when I first watched it, this movie made me feel like I was on coke. <laughs> It was adrenaline-inducing. You'll, you'll hear me talk about this a lot. It's the cradle of civilization for the art of uh, crafting fiction, right? It's called Goals, Stakes, and Urgency. Basically reserved for compelling characters and plots, right? It's the foundation head of which all other rules for writing kind of flow. And the goals in this film, they appear shallow, but they're so important. Stop the Joker. Protect Harvey Dent. Save Rachel. Save Harvey. Stop Two-Face. We are pushed along with so much force and confidence that we never stop to think that most of the goals of each character are just reactions to the carnage of the Joker. The, the, the journey of, of this film really wasn't about Batman at all. We, we obviously knew kind of who he was from Batman Begins. It was, it was everyone else. There's no kind of major growth, obviously, aside from his, his kind of want to eventually escape and seeing that that Harvey may be the answer to what Gotham needs, but really it is so much about Harvey and the Joker and Gordon and to an extent Rachel and just how Gotham reacts to the chessboard that is its its, its existence. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what I, when I say goals, stakes, right, and urgency, the stakes, it, the stakes are Gotham. We care mm. about Gotham. Maybe yeah. because it's such a beloved and uh, sacred location in pop culture we are conditioned to care about it and we're also conditioned to care about bruce wayne because his story is entrenched in our collective consciousness because of how many times we've seen his parents die <laughs> in the incarnations. Um, and christian bell to his credit he really brings it he, he definitely does not affleck the character here you know nah, not at all he, he makes us care and we we are all we are all far too keenly sensitive to the acts of, of terror and you know, innocent civilians getting murdered. And that's all this movie needed. 
Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then in terms of urgency, it's just the whole movie is one big urgent race to the finish line. There is so much corruption and betrayal. You know, that every victory our heroes are afforded, it has to be capitalized on immediately. And do mm. not stop or rest or your on your laurels as Gordon did when he captured the Joker. Because, you know, when they wallow in self pity or they celebrate, they set themselves back. Absolutely. You know, the, Absolutely. Jo- the Joker puts timestamps on everything when the buildings will blow, when the boats will blow, when he'll start killing people if that you know, uh, if Batman doesn't reveal himself. You know, when the hospital will blow up. In fact, we're getting quite... Now that I think about it, we're getting quite close to a Michael Bay territory. But no, that is that is the right choice. I would It, it would mean far less if, if uh, for instance, the mayor told Gordon, uh, you got 48 hours to find the Joker or it's your ass. You know, you're fired. Those aren't stakes. No one cares. No, not at all. Absolutely not. Going all the way back to something you said, I think that the dance between Batman and Joker was done perfectly with this. Um, I don't know if you, you remember the, the scene with Joker falling. Did that remind any of you of the Jack Nicholson one? Like, I honestly was a little bit like, oh, that's how they're going to kill the Joker. He's just going to fall again. Yeah, so I was quite bit. glad that they they surprised me with that, that the Joker survived, but then flipped it that Harvey died. Um, I wasn't... Because I, I thought Harvey was a character they would then keep going. Um, that's what I thought. Only... Only because I think that they did such a great job creating him. And in a way, I think killing him off actually solidified how great that character was. I think if he had come back in the third one, um, he would have lost something special. Um, I think sometimes to to make a character really stand out, if if you keep him sort of shortening their element, exactly what they're supposed to be, you don't do anything to, to sully your creation or your version of that character. I think they absolutely need it. And it's a great touch when he's flipping the coin at the end to shoot the kid. Um, that even as he's dying, to, to, to speak to you as the audience, the coin lands the right way up so the kid was survived. So you're like, oh, Harvey wouldn't have shot him. And it's like, yo, he's, he's doing it. <laughs> He's still he was... a psychopath, so uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, take, we'll take the way he ended. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm a, a little torn because I mean, to me, technically, Batman killed a person there, but I suppose he, he was to saving. save a kid. Yeah. Mm. So. Uh, oh, that! How have I not even? Literally, didn't even think about that. That was probably the whole point of that. It's like at the end of the day. He would. He didn't. The the whole person. The first thing he was fighting for the most throughout the entire film was the only person he killed. Yeah. yeah. Was it was it that or was it collateral damage? He didn't really kill Harvey Dent. Well, yeah. I mean, it, but, but, but I mean, he was still involved in his death. And if you think about it, it's like he's involved in a lot of deaths. Well, yeah, but I mean, like directly in the fact that he damn near tackled him off and then he died. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I I think it's different because yeah, look, when he killed the guy in the first time, so I can't can't remember the guy's name. Well, you might as well. Raja Who's the villain from the first film? Raja Raja when he killed him, he killed him because he didn't save him, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That's a very big jump to like tackling the guy off a building. Okay, all right. And in the end, he, in the end he still managed to save the Joker. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of almost like, it's that, it's that, kind, of ju- it's that kind of juxtaposition. Wow. Well, that, like, you know that's, I mean? that's just favoritism, you know? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Joker it would be a lot better at a party. I mean, how many people have looked Batman in the eye and say, you complete me? And... <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, you know our Avengers uh, award, the Avengers mm. Initiative, I, I wouldn't give it to Gordon because, as I say, I think Gordon is above all of that. Like, he 
needs to just retire. Um, <laughs> I would say the only two people in my mind that this film, in this film, who could possibly make it into the Avengers is either Alfred or Lucius. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. I, I can understand that. To be fair, I was when I was when when you said two people, I was like one of them is Alfred, hundred percent. I was I literally, I was like yeah, one of them is Alfred. You just need more people that are rational. Yeah. Some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Both of them are like, you know, Lucius Fox is just so measured in everything he does and says. Absolutely. Uh, and he and he really takes it all in a stride. But then when you've got him and then and Alfred, Alfred is really telegraphing to everybody what is going to happen. Or not what's going to happen, but everything he says, he says with a purpose. He doesn't, you know, Bruce Wayne gives it fucking talk, talks shit all day long. And I think Harvey Dent does to a degree. Uh, Gordon doesn't, but then Gordon is stupid enough to surround himself with a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, traitors. But like, you know, Michael Caine is just like, guys, none of you understand this joke. You need to take a step back. You need to think about what he wants, it's very obvious to me what he wants. You know, Bruce, you really need to sh- calm this shit down with Rachel because you're pushing her away. Rachel, you need to understand that Bruce and Harvey are uh, on a, a certain level and they need to do what they've got to do. Like, he's always trying to... He's like the Zorel uh, of... of this, you know, <laughs> the Zorel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jor-El. absolutely. He is, yeah. like, always telling everyone what they need. He's Ari Gold. He is- <laughs> Always telling He's, the characters what they need to be. To be fair, did we, did we not put him in the Illuminati? It was Jor-El, Ari Gold. Um, I'm, I'm happy to put Alfred Perryworth in there as well. I think so. I think Always always that. right. Always right. I would, I would love to do a breakdown yeah. <laughs> of Jor-El and Smallville Chloe fucking <laughs> Sullivan. <laughs> I knew You've been it. A, I knew it. You've been a thorn in my side. I'm gonna do what your daddy never had the balls to do. I'm gonna do what you did for those poor fucking. Oh, those poor kids! Absolutely, Jesus Christ. Yes. Ian, we'll explain it at a later date. Uh, maybe when we do. Maybe when we do Superman Returns, I'll explain. Oh, Jesus. Um, all right, should we should we score up? Yeah. Um, so we each give a score out of ten. Maximum score being thirty. Our scores are based on how much we enjoyed the movie. However, there are certain. Um, cards that we throw throughout the review um shall i go first please okay sure. uh i give this a 9.5 out of 10 uh only because of how well they do harvey dent's story and then how well they like nolan really presents us with a, t- a negative batman yet we love him you know they say do you know you know osmosis right you know that's that idea that um you know, we are indirectly influenced by those we surround ourselves with, even mm. though we don't share their experience. So I can't think of a better example of this than this Batman, who is not a hero. He is an anti-hero. He's a vigilante. He crosses lines that are not meant to be crossed. He has one rule, which is do not kill, which he breaks. And then he thinks of himself as a hero. Why? Probably because he hangs out with Gordon and Dent and the Justice League. Boy Scout, <laughs> Superman, Wonder Woman, heroes of that ilk. Batman thinks he's all about truth, justice, and liberty. But as the as the Batman film in 2022 tried to establish, he is more of a vengeful, schizophrenic, traumatized lost soul. And this movie is just brilliant at, at bringing that out, if you ask me. Funny enough, the reason I've, I've made the sound is because I was trying to think of my score as well, and you've hit the nail on the absolute head. Mine's a 9.5 as well. 
I mean, I have to leave the point leave the point five off purely just because of certain things that we know about that we've kind of pointed out. But all in all, and you you know you know me, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a diehard I'm MCU fan. And I remember watching this and being like in the back of my mind, not comparing it, but thinking is like, would this actually hold up now? Like some of the stuff that we've seen is ridiculous. And not only does it hold up, it's up there like it compares to some of the greatest shit we have going right now it is unbelievable it's probably the most realistic in terms of the decisions and this and the choices made if there was actually ever a batman that's probably the closest it would get like i'm i'm sorry i I had I had to I had to break every international law possible to stop the freaking Joker. Do you know what I mean? It was so grounded in as well as it was bombastic and silly and just <laughs> and just and just like ambitious. It was it's just it's just an unbelievable film. Like even now, yeah. even now. So yeah, nine point five. Even the Joker, me. even the Joker, if and he he in real life. Do you know what I mean? It was like. absolutely. It was. It was. You know, you watch him and you just think, do you know what? This guy doesn't give a shit. Mm. How do you stop that? Of course, you break lines. Yeah. You. Br- it's, oh, it's just unbelievable. It's so well done. It's so well done. Um, Ian. Yeah, absolutely. This. This is. Complete and a solid nine. I absolutely love this film. Uh, I think it's a complete story from beginning to end. Um, you don't need to see the the film before it. I probably watched Batman Begins nowhere near as many times as I've watched this film. Um, you see the development. Batman is a constant. It's, I absolutely love Batman just being Batman, and he does it really well on this film. But it's seeing the journey of the Joker and Harvey which just blow my mind. And I think when you've got great villains in something, that's where it really draws me in. Absolutely. Um, making you like Harvey, like he's opening every every character I wanted to see more of constantly. And for a, a long film, like for me, two and a half hours is a long film. I I ate up every scene, everything yeah. together. You had Harvey constantly. You had yeah. the Joker constantly. And then as you're getting late into the film, I think at like an hour and 45 into it-ish, when they're in the hospital, you know, you've been sitting watching a film for a long time and it, I, I, I don't, I feel like some of the, some long films, like old films like Godfather and thing, I love them, but I do feel like you, oh, we've hit the next act or like you hit a reset where you could mm. be, um, feel like you would want to turn it off. I don't get that with this film. I think mm. I could very much watch this over and over can i ask you ian and anton um where is this on the list of best superhero films of all time <sighs> knowing very well and good what we all think of endgame and spider-man uh far from no way home it's so funny you you ask like, ask that because it's like in a weird I mean, way like i don't put it in those films but that probably says a lot about that film where and i probably haven't thought i've i've, I've almost thought of it as standalone and I'm probably going to have to be a little bit controversial here and kind of say, one of the things that I've, I think DC struggled with a lot is, is finding itself in terms of how it wants to portray its films. MCM, Marvel have, have nailed it from, from Iron Man 1 and have stuck with it and they know what they're doing. But I would argue it's, it's in that weird kind of pantheon of films like if you didn't have 
Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, you wouldn't have the kind of films we have now. And if you didn't have Dark Knight to show that it can be done, you wouldn't have these films you have in the MCU now as well. So, up, I'm, pr I'm probably going to have to go like, like third, probably just behind Endgame and Infinity War. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to do it just behind that in terms of what it, in terms of what it, it did in its delivery. I'm with you and everything you just said, but I'm putting it at second. I can, I can, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. It's kind of hard for me to not put Endgame and Infinity together. So, in a weird way, I kind of see Endgame and Infinity No, no, no. Because no, I preferred Infinity War. So, I'd say Infinity War... Really? But you preferred Infinity War to I preferred Endgame? Inf I preferred Infinity War to Endgame. Whoa. I think it just... For me, for me, just the ending hit harder. Whereas yeah. Endgame meant more. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. But Endgame means more. But Infinity War hit harder. Sure. Hundred percent. I just no one was expecting that ending. It just. It was. Yeah. It hit hard. Do you know what I mean? And I think that was bold as fuck. But the only other film that's done that is The Dark Knight. Mm. It's yeah. I'm with you on that. It's uh, yeah. I, I I'm with you on that. Actually, I'll go two. I'll go two on that. Okay. Ian. I definitely think it's top five. Uh, I, I couldn't place it somewhere in the top five, but I will say I'm a little biased. I absolutely, truly loved Bane. I think they did. I, I mean, we're moving on to another Batman film, but I think that may may edge over this one slightly for me. Um, well, considering how high I placed words. this film. Bold yeah, words. I've heard that from some people. It's just unfortunate that all those people were cunts. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% agree. Come on now. Come on now. I mean, Ian, you think this gives you power over me? <laughs> I'm racking my brain to try and think of a... Um, oh, come on. You were born in the darkness. Let's do the scores. So it's actually 28 out of 30. However, <sighs> however, I'm sorry, guys. You, you might hate me, but I did throw two bollocks cards. Two uh, of them? Yeah. Yeah. Back to backs. One two was, of them? Yeah, well, one was for uh, the fact that there's no way that the reporter could have been at the scene of the hospital while he was reporting about it at the studio. <laughs> and then the, the, the other one, go on Ian, you're saying the studio is right next to the hospital. I'm going to no, have to go, just I'm like gonna, gonna, all, all the bollocks in this film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's fully no, bollock no, no. worthy. Hold on, hold on. What I, I meant was, is that, it, that I'm just using that as an example of how the third act really took liberties with, with what I could digest. Yeah. Uh, and the other one really was like, how the Joker's plans throughout all of the film. I get it. Order in chaos. But, like was exemplified with how he knew Batman would somehow create a sonar device and find him at that exact moment. Uh, so for those two reasons, for the, the third act problem that I have and for the Joker's inexplicable um, plans, I, I gave two, two bollocks uh, cards were thrown, which unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, it's 26 out of 30, which is still pretty fucking good. I think one of my original points, actually, which I forgot to bring up, and I conflicted, I completely contradicted myself uh, with what I'm about to say. Right, how many of us actually watched this in one fucking go? Like, um, me. When I was younger, all the time. Is anyone actually, did anyone sit down and do the whole film? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, oh, a, it, it, it's rude not to. Both both times me watching this, I've done it in parts. But you know how you said two and a half hours for you is long. I mean, an hour and twenty minutes for you is long. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's about right, I think. So, as we said, that the Dark Knight is at 26 out of 30, and that, my friends, finally, a week later than we expected, completes our top 10. So, congratulations, Aye. us. Nicely done. Now, who well wants done. to know where everything lies? I do. Show that shit! <laughs> <laughs> We're not watching. We're not talking Superman again, are we? Well, Superman. <laughs> well, believe it or not, at number ten, Superman returns. Hey! At eight out of thirty, nine is X Men Three with eleven point five out of thirty. Okay. Girl Next Door is number eight with seventeen point five out of thirty. Yeah. And this is a rather. This is where it gets a little bit murky for me. Number seven is Hitch with twenty point five out of thirty. Okay, okay, respectable. And then comes Training Day at number six with 22.5 out of 30. That's, I, I still cannot believe, but I, oh, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Fucking can't believe that. I still, oh, that's nuts. Well, number five, Snatch, the first movie we reviewed, it feels so long ago, 23 out of 30. Okay, yeah. And now we're into the top four, final four. Number four, Hot Fuzz. 24.5 out of 30. I kind of I get it. It's just crazy to me oh, to think that's still above that film. That's still above Training Day, but I get it. I get, I get it. Yeah, I have, train, training Day should be above both Snatch and Hot Fuzz. He probably should. <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really probably should. But what, was it Bollocks Cards that did it? No, Ian, other, it's just, just your presence analysis. on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late to get rid of you now. <laughs> yeah. And he flew. He flew with another red cape. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I haven't had that much of an influence. What's the next film, Ben? <laughs> I fucking hate you. Oh so god. Much. Coming in at on, third place on podium. with 25 out of 30. Meet the Spartans. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, sorry. No, it's the other shit film. 300. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to admit, I do rate 300. I do rate it. It's just not above training day. It's definitely not one. It's definitely not one below number two. Um, and actually, now that I look at the scores, we have a tie for first place. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. The Departed. We voted at 26 out of 30, and today, The Dark Knight, also 26 out of 30. That ends the series wow. with a tie. Does that mean oh, there a, is no a, first place, and that they're both uh, in second th- place? Or there's no second I, place? I think... Does, no, no, there's no second place. Both first. Both first. Both I first. think we should bump up all the films. <laughs> <laughs> so 300 is in second. Is that what you want? Uh, no, get get the hell you're not having that you're not having that absolutely not maybe because the departed was graded first it should be ranked first i i think dark knight side if anything well i don't make me the tiebreaker that's gonna be a killer no i wouldn't trust you with fucking tiebreaker absolutely not no but no they're they're sharing first done end of conversation good night thank you very much we'll see you later Well, that, I mean, Anton's right. That is everything. That is our top 10 for Series 1. In Series 2, we're going to start seeing films be knocked out of that top 10. I wonder which is going to be the first to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not going to be... Not going to be... <laughs> Either way, someone in a red cape is dying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, isn't that the plot for every Superman film? 
Um, last piece of business, guys. We are going to reveal our first episode of season two. Uh, by now, I hope everyone knows what the uh, structure is for revealing the next movie. Uh, we have labelled, or so should I say, my wife Lauren has labelled uh, many different files uh, just with a, a number. They've just been assigned a number. And I ask Ian or Anton to pick a number randomly. Uh, we click on that file and we all, the three of us here at the same time, what the next movie is going to be along with you, the listening audience. So um, I'd like to ask the person who I think has done the best job um, this season of being truthful and honest and not being in it for themselves when it comes to the scores. So, Anton, I would like you to pick... Honor the Carnier. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Um, I don't want to hear from the other guy. Um, Anton, pick a number, please, from one through... How many files do we have left? One, two, 43. I'm going to go we we'll read it two. Number two. Okay. Are we ready? File number two is being pressed now. The first rule of Fight Club is Ooh. we do not talk about Fight Club. Hey. Oh, hey. How are we going to discuss Fight it? I was going to say, how are we going to have this podcast? <laughs> I was literally just about to say that. Episode, episode one of season two is going to be very short. <laughs> It's nice, 1999's nice. Um, sleeper hit of the millennium, um, Fight Club. Fight Club is such a fucked up, dark, twisted film. Um, I don't know if Ian can handle it. <laughs> nope. Well, so there you have it. Season 2, Episode 1 of Back to the Pictures. We're not sure when it's going to debut, when we're going to drop it, but you can rest assured that we know it is going to be 1999's Fight Club. And that really does it for this season. And uh, it just leaves me to thank Anton. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Indeed. And Ian. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Oh, yes. What a final yes, it line. Is. Hmm. And uh, it's just about that time where we make like, I don't even know because I've run out of puns for people's names. By series two, I'll have thought of some more. But until then, and remember folks, your futures haven't been written yet. No one's no has. One your next picture is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Thank you.